Hello world, I'm Rochelle Indra, a life coach here to teach you the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. Our society has a vested interest in keeping you stuck and unhappy so that you will try to buy your way out of it. But that's where I come in. I'm here to teach you how to give them all the middle finger. Week by week, I'll share bite-sized strategies on tackling overwhelm, onboarding good habits, creating boundaries, and actionable steps to rewire your brain to actually work for you instead of against you. The number one thing clients come to me for is boundaries, working on their boundaries. And of course it is because our boundaries are at the base of everything we are wanting to change in our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with our others. And as we know, this is the shit they should have taught us in school, but didn't. And I got so frustrated because I couldn't find a good book on boundaries to give to people to help them continue their education or for people who aren't able to work with a therapist or work with a coach. I wanted to be able to lead them in the right direction. There just was nothing out there. So you guys know me. I was like, fuck it, then fine. I will do it myself. And that is what I did. I wrote my first ebook on boundaries because this is the most important thing we have to look at in our life. So check it out. You can go find it in my social media at Coach Rochelle Indra on TikTok or Instagram in the link in my bio. I hope you like it. Let me know what you think and how it helps. It's not only a book about boundaries and where you need boundaries in your life, but it is also a workbook to help you figure out exactly what to say when you're having to make boundaries with the people in your life. Hello, hello, and welcome to another installment of the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. I am your fearless host, Rochelle Indra, and I am currently coming to you from a rainy day in Utrecht, Netherlands. I didn't think I'd be making podcasts while I was away, but then this one just struck me, and I said, let's do it. So I'm sitting in my hotel room talking about... Something that I have literally wanted to talk about since I started my podcast, what, two seasons ago now? It is something that is so important to me that I didn't want to get it wrong. And I worried so much about getting this right that it stifled me from even doing it. And the point should just be blab it out and just do it to the best of your abilities because you want to help people instead of trying to get it perfect. But I find that in talking about this subject, it's so big and broad and vast, and I'm not an expert in the field. I have worked with it a long time. I work with it with my clients. I do a lot of inner work myself around it. It's a lot of what the inner work and healing I'm doing on this trip is around this. Uh, if, If you're one of my clients or you're in the group coaching, you know we talk about this, and that's actually why I'm talking about it now because this month we are working on this in the group coaching. I finally felt like, okay, I'm ready. We just need to do it in the group coaching. We just need to get this out there. Also, because I want some of this lexicon in the work that we do, I feel like it's such deep work. It's such a big aha for me personally. This has probably been the most life-changing thing that I have ever worked with and I've done therapy for years and obviously I'm a coach and I do spiritual work and I read the books and I listen to the podcasts and I go to the retreats and I do all the things and I've got a coach and this has been the thing for me. 
but it's been such a deep thing for me. As I said, I struggle on how to talk about it because I don't want to get it wrong. And so because we're talking about it in the membership this month, I just said, fuck it, let's just do this. And my desire in doing this is not to teach you everything because it's not possible. That would be like, I'm going to teach you everything about the history of consciousness in this 45-minute podcast. Okay, so we started a billion trillion years ago as little amoebas in the ocean, and then we got feet, right? Like, it's never going to happen. You're never going to be able to explain everything. And I am still learning in this arena. I'm pretty deep in, but I know there's more to go, and that is exciting, but I can't wait until I know everything to talk to you guys about it. And what it is I want to talk to you about is the Enneagram. It's the Enneagram personality types. And I know, I know you may be like, ugh, fucking Myers-Briggs, ugh, this thing, that thing, ugh, I'm so sick of being categorized, I don't understand it, none of these make sense, or Myers-Briggs works for a lot of people and that is wonderful and it is a personality type and that's great. Uh, It doesn't work for me. I did it once and I was like, yep. I literally could have told you all those things about me without needing to take the test. It it doesn't interest me. Thanks a lot. Thanks for nothing. So that one doesn't really work for me. For some people, it works great. Um, Shauna is really into human design. That's what we did last month in the membership. We looked at human design and that has been eye-opening and a really big deal for a lot of people and helpful in extraordinary ways and that's awesome that one also doesn't quite work as well for me I love the Enneagram and Shauna knows the Enneagram and likes it but human design speaks more to her so there are all these ones out there different ones speak to different people in different ways so I just want to introduce you to the one that really means something to me that's really been like oh fuck, this is, changes everything for me. This is where my deep work is. It, it's something that I use with clients because I feel like, you guys know me, like I just fucking dive in. Let's just do this shit. We ain't got time for what's your favorite color. It makes dating very uh, interesting for me when I'm like, yeah, yeah, can we skip all the how many sisters, where you're from, and like look at the monsters under your bed? Why am I single? We have no idea. Um, <laughs> so it's something that allows my clients to get into their deep work really quickly. And that is because the Enneagram, I like to say the Enneagram is about your childhood trauma. That is not necessarily the people who made the Enneagram or the people who work at some of the big Enneagram institutes would call it. They would say it is from your childhood and and they have better words than I do around this because I'm just going to give you guys my uh, perspective and point of view. They would say it is how, you know, how you deal with what you went through as a child, how your, it's a culmination of your behaviors, your attitudes, your defenses, and your motivations from childhood. I like to look at it as, and they say that you were born with a certain personality type and that then you had to build walls, right? You had to figure out how to avoid pain and get love. Spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to my other podcasts, that is how your personality is formed. Your personality is formed by, as a child, trying to figure out how to get love and avoid pain. 
And so these nine personality types that are in the Enneagram, and they're all just based on number, one through nine, one, two, three, four, five, like I'm an eight, right? And they do this because they did not want there to be a hierarchy. There's no number that's better or worse. It's just, they just give you a number, sort of like giving you a color. That way it's not like, oh, well, mine's better than yours is, or mine's higher, yours is lower. That's not a thing. It's just all these different types. And so that's why they're given numbers one through nine. So it's just really about how did you avoid pain and receive love? And so they really go down to some of our core issues and our core wounding. And also, of course, I will always give you me as an example. So we all have a personality because we all had wounding as a child. We all had to figure out how to avoid pain and get love. We had to figure out how to exist in this world, in our society, in our culture, in our home. And so we made a personality to do that. We made armor to do that. We made behaviors and attitudes and we had defenses in order to do that. So when I talk about my childhood, it's never that my parents were bad. My parents are lovely. Um, And it's never that, oh, well, Rochelle's parents fucked her up. All our parents fucked us up. Yay, all our parents fucked us up. Because nobody teaches us how to be parents. So no matter how much we love our children and do the best we can, we still fuck them up. And that's just the way it is. So for instance, me, I'm an Enneagram 8, um, which is called the Challenger. And again, there's no like good or bad. Um, But the challenger, doesn't that sound like me? Um, The challenger is somebody who challenges the status quo. It challenges the way things are and then feels the need to go out and change it when they don't see that it's just. They don't see that it is okay, that, that this is not acceptable. So I'll change it. And that works perfectly for me because um, I definitely, right, look at look at my platform. I call it the shit they should have taught us in school. I never intended to be a life coach. I never intended to go on this crusade of teaching emotional intelligence, of putting myself and my life out there for everyone. Like, oh, Jesus Christ, who wants to do that? Nobody. But I am so passionate about believing and knowing how wrong it is that we don't teach this, that I just got so angry about it that I was like, well, fuck it. You know, if not enough people are out there doing it, then I will throw my hat in the ring and I will do this and I will help try to change this and how people think and how they feel. And so this ends up being a really perfect job for me because I am so about championing a cause, championing something that I believe is wrong in society. Part of the wounding is from my childhood is not feeling important. Nothing my parents did wrong. They're just a lot of big personalities. And I sort of felt like I got lost in there. And so one of the coping strategies as an eight that I made myself is really big, right? I have a really big personality. And there's nothing wrong with this, right? I love myself. I love who I am. I love my personality. But it is a really big personality. And that is sort of made from this childhood of not feeling seen. So it's like, well, then I'm going to make sure that I am seen. And I always say, well, I don't care whether you love me or hate me, but you're going to see me. Like I have this big personality. My fear is always that people will forget me or people won't notice that I exist. A lot of what I do in my inner work on a deep, deep, deep level when I travel is this idea of like, do I exist, right? Do I exist in my home in Oregon when I am in Europe? Do I exist in Europe when I'm there? Where do I exist? How do I exist? How do I find existence in myself? You know, some of the just the small things in life. So 
as I said, there are nine personality types. Just giving you a little background of mine. So I look at, okay, my wounding is around not feeling important. Okay, so that's where some of my work can start. I look at the personality type as a whole and I and it's a personality type that is quick to anger, right? The nine personality types can also be divided into three little sections that are their centers. And what I love about it is it looks at these as when you are thrown off, when you are not yourself, when you are not grounded and centered in yourself, what emotion do you go to? So first it breaks them into, and I'm not going to go into each numbers because they don't even mean anything to you right now if you don't even know what the Enneagram is, right? So I'm just trying to give you a kind of a, a broad general overall about the Enneagram. That way, if this is something that interests you and you're like, huh, this is kind of cool. This is kind of interesting. You can look into it more. That's my whole purpose today is not to explain the whole thing to you, have you figured the entire thing out, but just, huh, is this something that I might want to look more into. And maybe it's not. But I really hope that it is because it can so quickly help you to do your work and perhaps put some language around things that you felt. And this is what I notice when I bring this up with my clients that they feel often is, oh my God, when they learn about the Enneagram, they're like, I felt that way, but I didn't realize I felt that way. Or I felt that way, but I didn't have words about it. Or I felt really bad about it. And it's like, it's a way to sort of bring to the light, like, hey, this is a part of your personality and that's okay. And here's how we use that to be the best, most integrated version of ourself. And my favorite thing that I love about the Enneagram that I feel like is different than other personality types is that it shows you where you are normally like I'm an eight like that's like so that's that's who I am and then it shows me where I go when I'm healthy what number do I go to when I'm healthy so that I can look at oh wow I'm doing this this and this in my life Ooh, I'm in a healthy place because sometimes we don't know am I in a good place am I in a bad place am I in a medium place and so I love a personality typing that can help with that like oh I'm you know here's here's where I am when I'm average here's where I am when I'm healthy or integrated or our growth Oh, I go to these things when I'm healthy. Oh, when I am not healthy, I go to these things. There's another number that I go to the bad, quote unquote, because I'm just using basic terms, you guys, but that, you know, it's a terrible thing to say. But like, I go to the bad parts of this number when I'm unhealthy and I go to the good parts of this number when I'm healthy. So eights, the, the challenger that I am, are very, very confident. And we're very confident in ourselves. We're very confident in our beliefs. You know, people say, is this the hill you're going to die on? And I'm like, bitch, every hill is the hill I'm willing to die on. And there's some really good things about that because I am willing to stand up on social media and say something that I know will get a ton of backlash, but I really believe it and I know it to be truth and I know it to be right. And I will embarrass myself. I will put myself out there in a way that makes me self-conscious. I will um, put myself in a place of shame or to get hundreds of comments back hating me for what I say because those people over there were really helped by it. Those people over there, it changed what they thought because I'm going to be on the right side of history, right? So I don't mind saying the thing now because I know that even if people can't hear it now, they will be able to later. 
right? So that's like a good thing about being an Enneagram 8. There's also some negative sides. 8s can be very tyrannical. We can be very, you know, this is how it is and you have to believe it and you have to believe it this way and they can be very like controlling in that way like no you need to believe what I believe and I've worked very hard on that to not be that person to be like hey here's my thoughts here's what I think but you know you go with what you want or what you like Um, so when I'm really healthy I go to the two I go to the best parts of the two which is what I do in my one-on-one work, right? Where I, being a life coach, makes me have to lean into the best parts of me, which is the being open and supporting people and using my big energy and my intelligence and my humor and my purpose for those one-on-one sessions to help my clients and where they're at. Not tell them what's right, not tell them what's wrong, which can be a very eight thing to do, but to lean into the two, which is called the helper, um, and to lean into, hey, what do you want? What do you need? And how can I use all my resources to help you get to the place you want? And so that's when I'm being in my best, most compassionate self. So I notice when I'm working with clients or when I'm being compassionate, oh, good, I'm in a healthy place. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a good place. And then I can go to the unhealthy parts of, of the Enneagram 5 and God, there's so many terms for the Enneagram 5, but I'll just use 5 for, for now. And so I can go to the unhealthy places of the 5 where I can get very closed down. I can shut people out really easily when I'm upset with them. Even though I'm this giant big personality, I can get very closed off. I cut people out of my life very quickly and I'll just sort of close down on myself and this big giant personality gets very very small and very quiet and I just sort of cut off from everybody and when that starts to happen because I've done the Enneagram work and I've looked into it I go oh that's what's happening I'm not in a healthy place I'm not in a good place even though my ego may tell me like yeah fuck this person cut them off yeah you've been friends with them for 25 years but screw them they suck never speak to them again I can catch myself now because I've done this Enneagram work and say, okay, that's my ego going to the scary place and making me do the unhealthy things that I have a tendency to do. I need to catch myself and do my work because I'm in an unhealthy place. And that is what I love, love, love about the Enneagram is that ability to see, oh, here I am when I'm my most healthy. Ooh, here I am when I'm my least healthy. And so going back to what I was starting to say before is that there are they sort of the Enneagram is a circle and then all the numbers are around you may have seen it you will see it if you choose to look into this but they are sort of divided into three three and three and three of them are the thinking triad triad meaning three the thinking then there's three that are the feeling and three that are the instinct so three of the types go with boom gut instinct that I'm in that triad as an eight I am if you know me or I just make very, very quick decisions. Eights are often good leaders. They can be horrible leaders too if they're not healthy, but eights can be really great leaders because we can make split second decisions. When I used to work in the film industry, I had to make 50 decisions yesterday. Like they just like boom, 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 decision, decision, decision. And I can do that because I just go with my gut. This feels right. That doesn't feel right. I'm doing this. I don't like that person. I have a gut feeling about that person. No, that's going to be good. And it's 
it's just the way I'm built. It's just, I go with instinct. Um, and then there's another triad that's a thinking triad. So those three types really lean into their intelligence. They really lean into, okay, what does my brain say? What does my brain say? I can figure my way out of this if I can just think through this. So those people often, when they're in my life, I need to give them time when we're working together and give them time to think something out. And this is the other thing that I love about the Enneagram and I teach it. I teach it to my clients, but I also teach it to groups. I'll teach it to businesses. One of the big ones I teach them is how to use the Enneagram in a workplace. I do that to corporations, small group teams in corporations to get them to all be able to understand each other more, work together better. Also doctor's offices, um, getting the whole team together. I've worked with some doctor's offices about that, how to use this in the workplace and understand each other better and communicate better. So I knowing the Enneagram when I'm with somebody else and we're having to make a decision, I just want to say, boom, within the time that the question has been asked, boom, I've got an answer. But I need to wait and let the person next to me who may be in the thinking triad, let them think it out, right? And it doesn't mean that mine is right and theirs is wrong. Mine is just faster. It doesn't make it more right. But I need to leave time for that person to think it out. Then the third triad is the people who use feeling. And I bring these up because these one of these three may already start to feel like you. And uh, the feeling triad is um, Shauna doesn't mind me mentioning this. Uh, you guys hear me talk about Shauna all the time. Shauna doesn't, won't mind me say that she's in the feeling triad. So I know when she and I need to make a decision, I'm going to say, well, how does it feel? How does it feel to you? Because she knows I'm going to make that quick decision. And it's, I, I haven't thought about it. I haven't felt it. I just, boom, instinct from my gut. It's right there. She's like, got to feel it. And I don't know if she feels it like in her heart, she feels it in her soul, where she feels it. I'm not a feeling triad. Um, so I don't know. When the information comes in, she'll often like get the chills or she'll often just be like, oh, the hair standing up. Oh, I know that's right. Or, you know, she's got this certain way that she fe- has to feel something. And so it's good for me in knowing the Enneagram to be able to say, oh, where do you feel it? Or, or to somebody who's in the thinking triad, what do you think about this? And give them that time because, again... Just because mine is quick doesn't make mine the right answer for us and whatever we are doing. The interesting thing about those three triads, the instinct, the feeling, and the thinking, is that when they feel off-center, where do they go? And of course, dun-dun-dun, because if you have listened to my podcast, you know I've talked a lot about my struggles with anger. And that I'm quick to anger. And that is not only something that is a difficult part of being an eight. Eights deal with rage. They deal with anger. It's just where our emotion goes to when we feel off kilter, not ourselves, when we're not the healthiest. And so that instinct triad can go to anger very quickly. When things are not going right, we go to anger. So it is really good for me. I used to feel so much shame and so bad about myself. And not to say that everybody doesn't experience anger because everybody does experience anger, right? Everybody experiences emotion. Everybody thinks about things. So we do experience all those. But just what is the main one? What is the first thing that you go to? And mine, unfortunately, is anger. So I have to, I used to feel really bad about that. And now I'm like, okay, it's just a part of my personality and it's something for me to work on. 
Oh, I'm going to anger. I'm noticing myself get angry. Okay, Rochelle, use your tools to back that down, whether that's go for a walk, take a deep breath. A big one for me is to not say something when I'm angry. That's what I'm always working on. So that triad that that is instinctual can also go to anger. So it's a really nice thing to look into the Enneagram and be like, oh, is that the triad that I'm in? Okay, so what does this mean for me? Oh, where does how does anger show up? And mine anger shows up right away. Other people in the anger triad are embarrassed or self-conscious or feel bad about their anger. They don't allow their anger. So anger shows up in each one in a different way. I happen to be the one that likes my anger. I get a lot of juice from my anger, a lot of get up and go, a lot of gusto and other ones, like I said, are more embarrassed, uh, shameful, feel bad about their anger and try to hide from their anger. When I'm like, no, go out and use it. Anger's great. You're going to love it. Go for it. And then the the thinking triad, the people who are like, okay, let me use my brain to get me out of the situation. They can very much go to, do, 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 I have it here. Because I this isn't my triad, I realize that sometimes I forget it. They can go to fear. When, they, when something comes up and they don't feel aligned, they can go to fear. Anxiety is a big one. So people in this triad are always like thinking their way out of things, right? We can so easily overthink and go to fear. What if, worst case scenario, anxiety of, I've thought of every possibility of what can go wrong. Mm, I know a lot of us feel that one, right? Because I'm an instinct person, I don't go to that one as much. I'm like, okay, this is the right thing. This is how it's going to go. I know how it's going to go. And I'm going to plow forward and do that. I mean, by the way, it doesn't always go that way, but I have decided how it's going to go, and so I don't worry about it as much. Sure, I get myself into problems because it doesn't go the way I've just decided it's going to go, but I don't run into as much fear and anxiety because I just instinctually have decided this is how it's going to be. But somebody who thinks about something a lot, right? So I'm going to give you the example of um, in 2019, I decided I was going to pick up and move to the Netherlands, to Utrecht, actually. I'd never been here. And I had just decided I felt a calling, an instinctual calling that I was supposed to move to the Netherlands. And this, specifically this city, I had never been to. I know it sounds crazy, but the funny thing is now that this is the second time I've been here, I can see how we would have had an amazing life here. But then COVID came, life changed, blah, blah, blah. Now I come and visit and I don't know whether or not I'll move here. But I just instinctively decided this is how it's going to be. I'm going to go. It's just going to happen. And I didn't really think it out that much. And in some ways, that's really great because it gets us to do things more often. Again, I don't overthink coming to Europe for three months by myself. I just kind of go and do it. Whereas somebody who might be in the thinking triad may overthink themselves out of doing something. The anxiety gets them. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this and that? Thinking can be wonderful too because there's a lot of bad situations I can get myself into. The head I just thought it out a little bit more, I probably realized that fucking wasn't going to go so well, right? But I don't, I just leap, right? When I don't know what to do, I leap. And a thinking person um, <laughs> sounds awful. Like Rochelle doesn't think about anything. I do think about things, but somebody who's in the thinking triad, hey, may never take the leap. 
sometimes when they should because they're overthinking but sometimes they're also doing it's a really great thing because they're like well this might go wrong that might go wrong I shouldn't do you know I shouldn't do this or whatever so but they can go to fear and that anxiety that will stop them from doing the things they want to do or having the things that they want to have it's a lot of clients I work with of I know what I want I just can't get myself to do it because I've got all the what ifs so that is the thinking triad and then there is the triad so again three numbers in each of these categories and then the last one is that feeling triad they feel like okay so if they were if I was the feeling triad right so um and I was thinking about moving to Europe I would what does it feel like in my body what does it feel like in my soul I feel called I feel pulled when I think about living in the Netherlands it makes my body tingle it, it makes my heart beat faster right they're really leaning into how does my body feel how are my emotions about this and again none of these are right or wrong that just might be the way that a feeling person would handle something so sometimes when you know somebody who's like I don't know it just doesn't feel right they perhaps are in that feeling triad not always because we all have feelings right we all have thoughts we all we all have instincts but perhaps if you hear somebody says that a lot or makes you know somebody makes their decisions based on that you can think oh maybe they're of a feeling triad or maybe you can say oh that's me I really have to feel something and I I love bringing up the Enneagram too because Sometimes we feel bad. People make us feel bad about stuff like, oh, you overthink things or, you, oh, you have to think everything out or, oh, you have to like feel it out. And it's like, no, these are real things. These are real personality traits that have really wonderful aspects of them and, and parts that can be challenging about them. And so the people who are really do things based on feeling are really susceptible to shame. It's something that they really struggle a lot with is is dealing with shame. I feel shame for the thing I did. I feel shame for the way I feel. I am, you remember there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. So they can be really susceptible to that, which, you know, is me, this big giant personality and I'm loud and I'm brash and I'm, you know, outgoing and all these things. Shauna is, as I said, in the feeling triad. And so I, as somebody who works with her and as really good friends with her, need to make sure that I never make her feel shame. So I have a very, as you guys know, um, I'm a very sarcastic person. And I make a lot of sarcastic jokes. And I make a lot of sarcastic jokes to her, which she loves and she laughs super hard, which makes me just do more. But then I always go back and check. Hey, you know I was just teasing you about that and that's not really true. You know I made fun of you for that, but I actually really like that. Like Because I know she can be so susceptible to shame, I always go back and check in on her and make sure she's doing okay. Does that make sense? I hope that this is sort of helping. And like I said, we are barely scratching the surface of all the big, awesome, amazing things that are the Enneagram. Which, by the way, I should point out just for reference sake that the that – Don Rizzo was the one who came up with this in and did I don't he didn't just like invent this it was more of a discovery about these personality types and discovery in psychology and with the ego in 1977 he did a bunch of the work on this so this isn't just like 
this is a fun made up thing. No, no, no. This was like a bunch of psychological work that was done to realize that humans fall in these nine personality types. And we're human and we all have a little bit of all of them. But in general, we have more of one than any of the other nine personality types. And then the 90s, he did a lot of work with uh, Russ Hudson and they started to develop this more and more and broader and really to discover more nuances and, and more things about it and really make it the robust program that it is now, a personality typing that it is to this day. Also, there's no difference between men and women. So there are online tests if this interests you, uh, because like I said, I really think it very quickly gets down into the deep, deep core issues and traumas that we have to work on. I think it can be really helpful when you're in therapy or you can't afford therapy and you're just trying to do this work on your own. I couldn't recommend diving into this more. I also love it to do with family members or friends, or as I said, co-workers. I do a lot with, with co-workers to really understand the people in our life more. I love it when I'm dating to really have a lot more compassion and understanding of the person I'm dating. It makes me understand my family better, how to communicate better with the people in my life. So there's a lot of free ones you can take online. There is some books you can buy. There's tons of books on the Enneagram, but there are some books that actually have the Enneagram test inside them. If you are in the group coaching, the sisterhood, you have resources to all of this. These will be in your workbook. So you don't have to worry about doing the research. You know, Shauna does all the research for you. Um, and if anybody wants to join us this month, you're really into this. This sounds really interesting. Feel free to join us this month to talk more about the Enneagram. And like the fun thing is to hear about other people's Enneagram types and what that means for them. And you can start being like, oh my God, I think that's my brother. Oh my God, I think that's my father. Oh my God, I think that's this or that. You can't type people. They need to type themselves. But you can start to notice like things about people and it just gives you a way to have more compassion, understanding, and ability to communicate with them in maybe the best way that's right for them. Like the Enneagram 5, I tend to date a lot of fives and they can often isolate when they're stressed out. And so it's good for me to know that when I date people who are Enneagram 5s of, oh, they're isolating themselves because they're stressed and not because they don't want to be around me, not because they don't love me or they don't care about me. They're just under a lot of stress. So they're going to this, right? I can have more compassion and understanding. Oh, this isn't about me. This is about them and how their personality handles stressful situations. So that's another reason I really love the Enneagram. So you can go, you can find out your type and then read about them. The traditional way to find out your type is to read about all nine of them. That is the absolute best way to do it. Most people don't have that kind of time. Um, Most people don't buy a book and just read about all of them. You can. That is the best way, but you can also go and take a test and then check and see and then read about it and see, ooh, does this feel like me? Does this feel like who I am? There's a whole thing on wings in there that people will bring up. I didn't even go into that because we ain't got that kind of time. Those are fascinating. It's the numbers on either side of you. So if I'm an eight, my wing is a nine and a seven and how those wings impact your personality. Again, no time to go into all this. I just wanted to give you kind of a, a rough overview of this. I also 
wanted to bring up a story about how about compassion for others and how I when I worked with a doctor's office um, all the uh, receptionists the nurses and the doctor right we sat down everybody took a test beforehand about what they were and then we sort of sat down and I went over how each of those personality types are in a work situation in a work relationship and so that people could understand, oh, this person is in the feeling triad. Okay, this person wears their heart on their sleeve. So really aggressive tactics to talk to her like, hey, can you get this done? Hey, go do that is hard for her. And so she needs a little bit more reassurance, a little bit more patience, a little bit more compassion than straight out assertiveness. Whereas me, you can just be like, hey, bitch, get this done. And I'm fine with that. I like that sort of like, let's go, let's get this done. And it was so wonderful because the doctor, when when we went over the kind of environments that are really good for each type, the, what the doctor was, is that this is a person who should be in an environment where they work by themselves, where they get lots of time to focus uninterrupted and they don't have to deal with people. And they like all looked at him. <laughs> and I was like, so that's really hard when you're a doctor and you've got like nine nurses and five receptionists working for you. And what was so beautiful in that moment is they had so much compassion for the fact that he has a job that is outside of his comfort zone, that is probably outside of what is best for his personality type, which is fine, right? We all adapt. We can all change. But there's so many times where he wouldn't like answer a question or he would get really frustrated with being interrupted while he was working. And they were like, oh, this is why you get so frustrated with us. This is why you get so upset when you're just trying to focus on something and you have like nine nurses coming in all the time being like, oh, can I just ask this question? Oh, can I just do that? And they were like, oh, what's the strategy we can come up with to interrupt you less, right? So they were like, well, we have a pad where we just write down all of our issues or questions for you that are coming up so that you can go and focus on those and answer the questions instead of being interrupted all the time. Or that he's going to need uninterrupted lunch breaks or uninterrupted time to regroup and it was just really beautiful seeing what used to be a frustration they had with him because most of us just expect people in our lives to be like us for them to be able to turn around and say oh right people are different right people are different than me this person is already out of their comfort zone and there are ways that I can make this easier for him and for him also right to look at like each one of his nurses and the people who work for him and to say oh okay this is what's the easiest way the best way for me to communicate with them and it was really just a beautiful thing to be able to witness the other thing that comes up for people is relationships this is the number one question I get asked is like oh what type is what better with what type in dating and believe you me as somebody who dates I think about this all the time but the truth is any type or if you're married to somebody you're like oh well am I married to the right type and blah 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 the truth is any type should any healthy type should be able to be with any healthy type so it's just about us trying to be the healthiest versions of ourselves and so they should be able to work together so you don't have to worry like shit I'm have to divorce my husband because he's not the right type for me or this or that or whatever you know they say like Sagittarius should only be with Aquarius or whatever it's not like that the healthiest versions of ourselves should be able to date marry interact with be the child of any type I recommend 
you do this, obviously, and in, in research this more, of course. And I recommend you do it with the people in your life, if possible. Doing it with a kid, probably over the age of, you know, maybe a teenager or higher. Your parents, a best friend, a partner. If for no other reason, then this just starts really great conversations about communication, about who we are, about where we go when we're stressed, how we could use support, how we could use understanding, how we could use better compassion in our lives. Shouldn't we always be having those conversations? Whether this speaks to you or not, whether the Enneagram speaks to you, I just love that it is another way for us to start looking at ourselves, for us to start seeing ourselves, to say, oh, I do this. This is me. This is not me. This is what I relate to. This is what I don't relate to. Like even if you get into this and you're like, fuck this, I don't really like this. Great. That also tells you something about yourself. That also is a way that you are reflecting back your likes, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. So you're learning something in that too. So I really championed that as well. And again, you guys know if you follow me, I don't tell you what to do. I don't say go look at this, research this, you need to be into this, you need to be into that. That is not what I do. And I'm not telling you to do that here, but this is one of the few times I'll say that I really will say I believe in this and I believe that this will be helpful. It's not going to ruin your life if you are busy and overstressed or this doesn't interest you. That's fine. But if it does interest you, I do highly recommend looking into this and highly recommend getting your community on board with it if possible because that can be really, really fun to do it together, to research this together and to learn about each other in this way. I have found it endlessly fascinating when I find somebody else who's interested in this or I get uh, my friends and family on board with this. Endlessly fascinating what I learn with them and just how much more compassion I can have in my heart for their experiences and what they're going through because everybody's fighting a battle we know nothing about and also how I relate to other people of my same number. So join if you want to do this in community in a group and learn more about the different groups. I actually was in an Enneagram group for many years run by a woman who's been doing it for 50 years and we met like once a week and we talked about different ideas and things that were coming up for us and everybody had a different personality type in the group which was super great because I'd be like oh we're talking about this and wow how interesting that you experienced this so much differently than me and oh that's how my father is and I should be more compassionate about how he's dealing with this and how he sees this or my partner or you know blah 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 you know the fact that I keep dating the same one Enneagram type over and over Ooh, what does that say about me what does that say that I'm looking for what is it they have that I'm interested in that sort of thing so feel free to join us in the group coaching this month if that is something that seems interesting to you and you want to learn from other people and what their experiences are. Also, if you want more one-on-one help with this, this is something that I do. I do a deep dive with people around this. It's just one one-hour session where you take the test and you come to me and you let me know what you are and then we talk about it and the ways that your number affects your relationship with your children or your parents or your job or your spirituality or 
just the deep things inside yourself that you are working through. I kind of give you a little bit of direction on how to work with this going forward or your relationships. That's often a big one that that people come to me about. So it's just one one hour session to really deep dive and, you know, it's like if you have a bike, right, you just took the training wheels off and I'm just going to give you a session of just sort of pushing you along in the right direction so that you can go forward and dive deeper into the work and deeper into the work you want to do with yourself. I know coaching and therapy can be really expensive, so I love having sort of just a deep dive one-off to set you on the right path so that you can, you know, do your work in your own time, in your own availability for much cheaper. So if that speaks to you, please email me at hello at rochelleindra.com and we'll get something set up. Okay. Hope you guys have a good one. And thank you, thank you to everybody who reaches out on social media and lets me know that you are enjoying the podcast. I really appreciate that. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please, please go and give me a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. If you listen to this podcast and you're like, I hate this, I hate this girl, I hate this podcast, I think this is stupid, uh, don't don't leave a review. You don't need to. Nope, nope, just, just go back to what you were doing. No big deal. <laughs> Love you guys. It is August, my friends, and you know what that means. I come back from Europe, which is sad for me, but also good for us because it means I will be taking one-on-one clients again. And yes, the ones who I left off with before I went on my adventures around Europe, they will have first dibs to get back into their spaces. And then I open it up, as always, to the sisterhood group coaching part of being in the group coaching is that you get a discount on all my products, including my one-on-ones, and you get first opportunity to get to see me for one-on-ones before I open it to the general public. But after they're all taken care of, it's time for you. So definitely, if you've been thinking about coming to me for one-on-one work, if you've been thinking this is the right time to finally focus on you and what you need and what you want out of your life and stop procrastinating, this is your time. So email me at hello at rochelleindra.com and let's get the process started of working together. My book's open back up in September.